DJ PK, it is time now to talk U.S. Open golf with Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. Bob joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drop. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. John Rahm, you had the first pick. You took John Rahm. He won the tournament. Although I have to say, coming down the stretch with a bunch of uh, golfers still in the hunt there on uh, on Sunday, I did the math, and it looked like you had us even if John Rahm didn't win. <laughs> well, you know, I had uh, what I had, Rahm and Shoffley and DJ. Yeah, so, yeah. they were all in the top yeah. top 15 or so. Yeah. I was uh, I was sunk by Patrick Reed. I was four shots behind you and not going to catch you. And PK yeah. was sunk when Victor Hovland pulled out of the tournament and withdrew. That yes, he was hit him with a stand big in the eye. Yeah, stand in the eye. Gary Woodland didn't help yep. him. Brooks Kepka almost bailed you out though. PK, he stayed yep. in the hunt there for a while. But why did Colin Morikawa and Brooks Kepka fade along with uh, a few other guys? And why did John Rahm accelerate through the finish line with the putts at seventeen and eighteen? You know, John Rahm was interesting because um, out of the last, what, uh, I think they said six groups, so the last 12 players, um, John Rahm was the only guy that didn't shoot over par in the final nine holes. And uh, he ended up shooting two under par. Um, You know, it, it it comes down to who is able to play well enough and make some putts in some key situations. And you know, he just kept uh, he he just kept playing playing well, hitting the fairway, hitting the green, and um, and if he didn't hit the fairway, you know, he was able to extract it and get it on the green, and then and then it just came down to those final two putts, a twenty four footer and an eighteen footer uh, on the seventeenth and eighteenth holes that that allowed him to pass up and pass by Louis Oosthuizen. So, um, you know. A U.S. Open is interesting because it stresses you out to the max as far as a player is concerned. Um, it, it requires you to hit fairways. It requires you to hit greens. Um, it requires you to navigate um, putting on on the on the on, you know on the greens. And um, John Rom was the guy who was able to do it the best. And that's what they're trying to do at the USGA with the U.S. Open is they're trying to identify the best. Um, player of the week, and he becomes the champion, and that's what's John Ron. So, as far as his place in the game, where does Rom go from here? Well, you know that's that's up to him. Uh, he just won his first major. He's won. Uh, he won a um, uh, a playoff event last fall against Dustin Johnson, um, and he's you know he's won almost what about ten times now, and his first win was in 2017. So we're looking in, in uh, you know, in just a, a short period of time, he's, uh, he's really kind of pushed the envelope and getting, getting up to about 10 wins, and now he has a major. And, you know, I think he's a guy that can probably get to 20 wins, which is kind of the benchmark now. That's when, beca- you, when you become a, um, a lifetime member of the tour and you don't have to qualify any longer. You can play every ev- any event that you want to play. And um, and here he is, you know, he's number three in the world starting the week. 
Um, I, I haven't looked to see if he got to number one, but, you know, he's right up there as one of the elite top echelon players in the game. You surprised he finally got it together, or this was the time? You, you picked him, so you kind of felt it was coming, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it was the time, DJ, and I, and the reason I think that is because, you know, that, that event uh, memorial was ripped away from him um, with the COVID debacle with the PGA Tour. Um, and I think he had something to prove. Um, he loves the San Diego area. It reminds him of the coast of where he lives in Spain. Um, he, he won his first PGA tour event there at, uh, Torrey Pine South. He, he, um, you know, he proposed to his wife, uh, on the same golf course. Um, and I just, I just think, um, in, in his conversation yesterday after his round was over, he said, when he gets to San Diego, he gets off the plane, he breathes the air. He says, yep, this is my spot. And when you, when you've got that in your mind going into the week, and um, and you come back to a course that you love. I, I just felt that he was the guy that you had to go after. Did anybody do anything in this tournament that surprised you? Um, you know, uh, I, Bryson DeChambeau shooting 44 on the back nine, that surprised me. Um, he was right there in the mix of it, had a chance to win, um, was uh, tied for the lead or maybe one shot back. And what he what he did on the back nine was crazy. Um, two bogeys, a double bogey, and a quadruple bogey on the 17th hole, with uh, with a pitch shot that uh, basically hit a hosel rocket. He shanked it and uh, made an eight on the 17th hole. So that was very surprising to me. The other surprising thing was Brooks Kepka coming down the stretch, making two bogeys on the 16th and the 18th hole, and um, and not. I mean, he was four under at the time. The 18th hole was a perfect hole for him to to have an opportunity to make a birdie, get in the clubhouse at four or five under par, and not being able to get it done. So that was also surprising to me. So they've gone to Torrey Pines twice now and ended up with two really good tournaments. Does this become? Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't have a true rotation, but they kind of semi have a rotation. Is this is this in it now? You know, I think it is. Um, it's. Uh, the, the tournaments that they've had there with Tiger and Rock Immediate and, and now with John Rahm, I think, like you said, have been fantastic. Um, it's all come down to the final hole and a birdie putt on the final hole to one tie for the win, one end up winning the golf tournament. And that's what you want. You want that excitement. You want, um, you want that uh, intenseness. Um, in, in crowning the champion in a USGA event. We talked with John Bodenhammer, who is the, dir- the director of championships with the USGA this last week on the show. And uh, there's kind of been rumor going around that they're going to get away from public courses and go to the, you know, the elite um, country clubs um, and places that, that are known um, for uh, great championships in the game and he said that's absolutely false they'll always have a public courses as parts of the game um and i think this one will be one that you're going to see uh probably in another 10 years or so um as as an open championship venue again is that more to try to make a connection with the average fan 
I think it, you're exactly right, PK. Um, you know, they've done it quite a few times. They did it at Aaron Hills. They did it at Chambers Bay. They did, they've done it now at, at Torrey Pines. And I think, you know, uh, public golf courses for people to be able to play public, you know, um, Pebble Beach is another one for people to play public golf courses and say, Hey, I played on the course where they played the U.S. Open. I, it's, it's a huge connection. And the, the USGA is all about promoting the game and growing the game. Uh, along with other um, bodies in in the game of golf, you know, um, we want to grow this game and make it more popular. And I think by playing it on public courses, that's exactly what it's doing. So as we look ahead to the uh, British Open, is there anybody who played well in this who kind of sets the table or the course is so different, the conditions are so different, uh, just throw everything out? Yeah, it's you know the British Open is a different is a different animal, um, especially where they're playing this year. They're playing at Royal St George's, and um, and if the golf course is like um, it's been in the past, this is a golf tournament and a course that requires a lot of kind of luck as far as bounces are concerned, um, and that's kind of the way you play over there in in Britain is um, you require you, you bounce the ball in. Um, and, and this one's a, this one you'll, I don't know that you'll see a top player. Those guys will contend, but you'll see a lot of um, interesting players that win this championship. And uh, especially at this golf course. So it's not my favorite golf course on the road that they have there. Um you know, I like, you know, the St. Andrews and the Carnoustie's and, and those require a certain type of champion. This one is kind of an open free for all. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think of the skill is the most necessary ingredient of the skill that re- that allows you or requires you to make those putts, say, like 17 and 18 to walk off as a winner? You know, um, it all comes down to uh, allowing yourself to do it. it it's, golf is such a mental game that, um, that you know, a lot of times, you know, when you get in the hunt, uh, you have an opportunity to win. Um, you put a little bit more pressure on yourself to make putts because, face it, putting is where you score, and, um, and, and putting is what allows you to win a golf tournament. If you're a great ball striker, you got to be a great putter to win um, a U.S. Open championship. Um, and the other thing is being familiar or being very comfortable on the green surfaces that you're putting on. Um, that's That surface is what John Rahm has grown up on. Anybody that, that has lived in California, you, we've grown up on playing on Poana greens, and that's what those greens are. Um, you understand the bumps and and how how they roll um, and all that kind of thing. Those those putts that he made were not easy putts. Um, you know, the one from 24 feet probably broke about three or four feet left to right, and he buried it right in the center. And then the one in on, on 18 probably broke about two or three feet left to right, um, and he made it right in the center. Uh, after having made the one on 17, it was very natural um, it, for him to make the one on on 18 because he had just come off, come off seeing how that ball broke and how it went in the hole. So a lot of it's visualization, but a lot of it's, it's, it's mental capacity 
and uh, kept his head still on both of those putts, um, stayed in his posture after he stroked the putts, didn't stand up or anything. He just moved his head and watched the ball roll down the line, and it went right. Both of them went right in the center. So it's it's basically allowing yourself to make putts in that situation and not pushing yourself to make putts. So was he the best player not to win a major? And if so, who does that uh, crown pass to? Um, you know, uh, he was. I, I think he was. Um, I'll tell you who's who's pretty close at the top of that list is probably Tony right now, Tony Finau. Best, he's a, he's the best player not to win multiple events and not to win a major. He's finished um, uh, he's finished top ten, you know, eight or nine times now in major championships, um, and a, and a few of them in the top five. But um, the other one is Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley now has played in um, what five? Uh, U.S. Open Championships, and I think he, up until last, up until just this last week, his best finish or his worst, his worst finish in in four going into this last week was a tie for sixth, and and he was right there again, had an opportunity again, and uh, um, so he's a guy that I, he's a guy that you'll see win a U.S. Open. He's that good of a player, um, and he might be the guy just you know coming off a second at. Uh, the Masters, um, he's he's the guy, I think, that's carrying the torch for that as far as the best player not to win a major. How do you think Tony's game shapes up at the British? Tony likes the British. You know, the first time he played in the British, he had a top 10. Um, this will be a this will be a good one for him. And I, I think um, he, he, you know, he struggled with his game this week. Um, I, I watched him from the get-go. And he was missing fairways both sides. Um, he was not hitting any greens, um, and uh, and he was and he pushed himself. It was pushing himself with the putter to keep up. And when you're not hitting fairways or greens, you have a difficult time. So uh, I think Tony will probably work extremely hard over the next month, and he will be ready to play at the British Open. And I think it'll be a good one for him. Bob, as always, we appreciate it. Good call on John Rahm out of the gate, but you had yourself covered with three solid players, so you were going to win either way. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks, Bob. Take care. All right. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio here on Saturday mornings right here on the Zone Sports Network. Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, coming up at the top of the hour. Stay with us.